Welcome to Darkly Lit, where, as always, we look beyond the grime and decay to figure out what makes a monster, which is the first half a kiss, the second a hiss. I am one of your hosts, Kayla King. I'm joined by my other two amazing co-hosts. We have Sade. Hello. <laughs> and David. Oh man, I asked Halandret for a new sister and all I got was a murderous gay lover. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it was that bad a deal. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's your twin and, well, okay. I mean, to be fair, it was kind of a lose-win situation, you know? <laughs> for, it was a good time for me. <laughs> Hells yeah. Makes you wonder. So we've just finished reading the novel The Monster of Ellen Haven by Jennifer Giesbrecht. We, and, of course, because this is about gay murderers, Sade's doing the summary. I am. Uh, <laughs> which I completely forgot I would be the one doing the summary. And I feel like I need to preface this with, I don't think I was able to give this book the attention that it deserved from me. Because uh, I listened to the first half while at work and the second half while like trying to get things done at home. And so here's here's my summary, my attempt at a summary, which are always wild. Why are my summaries always the most scattered? Okay. It's it's okay. Actually, they're very entertaining. <laughs> a lot of people seem to really enjoy your okay, summary. Good. So, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, if I remember correctly, we open up with a thing contemplating about itself we learned that this thing got its name while it was almost killed it chose it was given the name johan who is he's i guess he's the main character because we mostly stay in his perspective uh but we learned that johan is an orphan on the streets or he grew up on Aylen haven streets and quickly learned that he was very good at killing and that is what he does and we are just kind of following him when he stumbles, not stumbles, but like comes upon Florian, who is the last son of one of the founding families for Ellen Haven. And he notices something, something about Florian just captures Johan's attention. And so he like tries to mug him, tries to, you know, threatens to kill him. Or, and he also is like, give me a job. Because <laughs> uh, I think Johan uh, just really needs to be around Florian. Something has something about Florian, he has like has captured him. And Florian, because he turns out to be a sorcerer with his own devious plots that we learn later, decides to hire Johan as a bodyguard. Though mostly just overall uh general henchman. Florian takes Johan home like like the last puppy that he was. Sorry. <laughs> Florian takes Johan home, employs him and so we begin to learn a bit about Florian through what Johan uh, is kind of like learning about him. At the same time, uh, Florian has become fascinated with Johan because uh, Johan slit his own throat in front of Florian to just kind of demonstrate his abilities. Because we uh, learn from Johan that he can't die. 
he comes back every time. And to test this, Florian has him jump from a tower multiple times and does other horrendous things to him, which I think Johan just loved. Gradually, they, like, start a relationship, like, um, uh, begrudgingly from Florian. Johan's totally into him. At the same time, we learn that Florian, his family died in a plague. He can manipulate people with his powers. And he is plotting something quite evil for the uh, town of Ellenhaven. We meet some characters, like an ambassador from the south, who is another noble in town, and he wants to... Uh, repair the railroad and they want to start the mines back up and Johan doesn't want this for Ellenhaven and uh, we learn of the plague that took Florian's family and uh, Florian is essentially creating a new plague that he with the help of Johan unleashes onto the uh, ambassador from the south and to other nobility during this grand dinner that he holds Fortunately, despite everything, everything was going great, but there was a mage hunter amongst the guests who we learn has, was suspecting Florian the whole time, uh, and she goes after Florian, and Johan tries to protect him, and sadly, he doesn't, isn't able to save Florian, and so tragic, but oh, so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you know what, if my summary was really vague, that's fine, because if you haven't read the book, I think you should go read it. It's like, it's a four-hour book. It's, it's worth a read. I'm, I'm gonna go back, read it for myself, because I think then I can give it the proper attention that it deserves from me. So, what is your general opinion of this, uh, novella? I mean, what did you guys think of it overall? I think I enjoyed this more than I expected. I wasn't expecting to get this really unique kind of industrial decaying you know cold coastal city with very like turn of the century vibe to it but it's still kind of in a fantasy setting so you've got things like mage hunters and magic and sorcerers and you know a black sea whale oil being a major component you know different countries getting involved and like i think this is the kind of uh, fantasy setting that i really enjoy where you just get kind of dropped in and you don't need to have all the nitty-gritty details, but you can kind of piece together the a sense of the greater world through sort of, like, context clues and, like, the way it's all set up. And for this little snapshot of it, uh, Ellen Haven is really neat. I love the world building in this book. Mm-hmm. And um, I really enjoyed the characters and how fucking terrible every single one of them <laughs> is. Absolute moral ambiguity and, you know, fucked upness, but you still kind of want them to succeed. Especially, uh, I, th- I I especially wanted Florian to succeed after everything that happened to him, honestly. And, you know, they, it grew on me. It was so fascinating that these these dark and depraved people grew on me. I w- I've, I've made the comparison in other places while I was reading this book, and I don't know if this is necessarily fair, because people always do this to make comparisons. The closest fictional setting that I can compare this to is the setting of Dunwall from the Dishonored series of video games. And that has that same kind of like industrial punk vibe to it, you know? Just very gritty and gross and oily and, you know, old brick factories and weird archaic magic and magic is like uh, forbidden and dangerous and I'm not sure if our author played those no shade being thrown if she did they're fantastic settings and I, and I like to see more of it but it definitely gave me dishonored vibes and I 
kind of loved it for that because the setting of that, those games is really cool. Very similar. That's kind of my pitch. Like, you know, check those out if you haven't. But it's still its own story, its own setting. So I wouldn't say it's like, I, I'm not saying it's a ripoff or anything. That's not my intention. Oh, it's absolutely not a ripoff because uh, I actually read a interview by Jennifer Giesbrecht and uh, she said Ellen Haven is based off her hometown of Nova Scotia, which she describes as, and this is word for word, a grimy little historic city built on rock isolated, a peninsula city on a peninsula province, beset on all sides by awful weather and cradled by truly foul harbor. Nice. Well, yeah, I figured, I mean, remember you mentioned that she was from Nova Scotia. So it's, you could definitely get it, especially when she describes the way, the cold of things. Mm -hmm. So I get that. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the creators of Dishonored had a similar a similar inspiration. Although Dunwall is more sort of based on like turn of the century England or London, more specifically, maybe London or Bristol, any sort of like coastal city. This is definitely has ties to a cold Northern setting that is terrible. And I love it. I really enjoyed this, this novella. I know I've talked mostly about the setting and not as much about the characters, but that's what really hooked me, honestly. A good setting will help me uh, in that sense. And the world building real, really tied the characters into it. I, I've said before that I usually can't get into a, a book if I don't have at least one character that I can like really hook on to. But with this one, the setting really was almost its own character. Like I everything that David said was correct. It's a wonderful setting, the world building. You get this glimpse of this really interesting world that um, I would love to have seen more of, but like I saw enough that I'm like, yeah, okay, this is fucking cool. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, the, the characters were all really great, even like some of the ones that we don't uh, see too much of. I don't think we got enough of Eleanor, but like so you, there's enough of like details mentioned of like the side characters that you get a good a good grasp of like what they're like too. But, uh, yeah, no, the, uh, the main couple, uh, are obviously, <laughs> obviously, they're, like, exactly the, like, level of problematic couple that I like. So, yes. 100% yes. I, I, I mean, that, I said before that we just recorded this, like, well, Sage, we, we agreed that you should do the summary because it's, like, this is just the level of gay and problematic that I think you would enjoy, so. It is just enough, like, problematic for me, like, mm, yes, this is delicious, I'll have more, please. Um, <laughs> could it have gone further? Yes, but then you guys wouldn't have enjoyed it, and that's fine. Like, this, this was great. I would love to read more books like this. And that's why I feel like I should have loved this more than I did. And I think that's why I need to read it again for myself. Because, like, the audio, if anyone listened to the audiobook, it was great. If the you had the same narrator I did, who did, like, really good distinct voices for, like, Florian and Johan specifically. But I think I need to read it for myself and give the characters my own voices in my head to really appreciate them. And on, like, the level that I want to love them. <laughs> But yeah, no, I had, I had a great time with it. I'm sad it was so short. So I really enjoyed this too. First of all, um, I'm going to say up front, I don't think this is a horror. I consider this more of a dark fantasy. Yeah. but It does have some like horrific elements when it comes to the gore factor. Yes. There's some really nasty, grisly details. Mm -hmm. But I don't think gore necessarily means horror. Right. I agree. But it's definitely a dark fantasy. Mm -hmm. This is from the point of view of quote-unquote anti-heroes or basically villains. The main thrust of the book is that kind of everyone sucks. Yeah. True. Everyone is terrible. And the setting is so goddamn bleak that I kind of love it. Like, I, 
you you believe that these two people would find each other and have this relationship because they're both horrible people, but they are horrible together to a shared cause, and they find that comfort in each other. I think what I like about it is if this book was written 30 years ago, it would be from the point of view of Eleanor trying to stop this, and Florian would be the main villain, and Johan would just be seen as his Igor. And I love that this is just flipped on its head so that we follow mainly Johan's story. It's third person, but I don't think we ever really leave Johan's perspective with the exception of some of the exposition. Like the, the, like the italicized flashbacks to yes. Florian's childhood. And I, I also listened to the audiobook too. The narrator for that was Daniel Henning. Yes. And he did a great job. I... I actually enjoyed the voices he chose for, uh, chose for them, but they were very distinctive voices. Yeah. But I don't know why. There's just something kind of humorous. I think at times it comes, it came across as a bit humorous with Johan's voice, which was so deep and gravelly. Mm. And the, I think the I laughed out loud when his, I think his first line was when he basically discovers, oh, I can't die and breaks all his bones and then, it comes back to life, and his first response is, well, that was fucked up. And I like, just laughed out loud. Okay, I also really appreciate the use of, like, just the word fucked in this. Yes. I really, truly love Johan. I love how Johan swears, but I also yeah. love that Johan basically calls Florian by, like, these... Um, oh, the nicknames. I love yes. the nicknames. The super sugary <laughs> nicknames. Ah, because it's so unexpected from, like, his character of, like, just being this, like, killer, uh, this monster. And especially, like, in the audiobook, that voice that he has, like, saying those, like, sugary nicknames, it was... It was delightful. <laughs> For some reason in my brain, I keep thinking that he's called him sugar tits, but I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that was a thing. I just <laughs> Oh damn. I, I just it. but it was that sort of like level of the nicknames he would call him. And then Florian just like tolerating it basically. Actually, since I didn't listen to the audiobook, I have a question. Did the narrator voice Florian very like flamboyant yes good because in my head he sounds like the most like dandy yeah wait do a do a voice as someone who actually does voice acting uh i'm trying to think of a line he has in the book or just uh like how you think the voice would be uh oh i don't pretend to give it no i don't think you understand we need to destroy these people Absolutely. That's not too far off. Now do Johan. Yeah, now do, do you Johann. think Johan sounds Oh my god, Johan. Well, that was fucked up. <laughs> I love it. David didn't listen to the audiobook either, which is... That was pretty yeah. close. In my, yeah. head, in my head, he sounds like the biggest... Like, Florian just sounds like a rich fop. Like, he has that, like, almost Python-esque... <laughs> Can I just want to say right now though, Florian was my favorite character. So like, <laughs> oh, Johan was mine. Johan was mine, but I usually go for the more vicious. Johan was great. I don't know what it is. I just fucking love how much of an evil genius Florian is. They're both really great characters. Florian, I did love for that kind of just like manipulative aspect that he has, because that reminds me of like my absolute most favorite character ever, which is like Florian from Captive Prince. I'm gonna mutter that so no one knows what I said. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. They were both just really, really good characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they were believable as a couple, 
because the interesting part is their romantic chemistry came from violence or the sexual chemistry came from violent acts like one of the most visual things that i could think of is when johan describes like he, he was hoping like the mud would uh cover both of them into like this like muddy tomb yeah that they would just fall asleep and then florian would die he's like well i'll, I'll live but it's said in a very dark but romantic way yeah it's <laughs> But at the same time, you're like, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> I can't. These people. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting discoveries that we make is, as Sade said in the summary, that Florian has a sister named Flora. And basically what happens is uh, Flora dies. Uh, he drops uh, Flora's uh, dead body into the Black Moon, hoping to bring her back to life because of a legend. That the the Halandret thing. Like the idea that she might come back as a Halenkind. Yeah, and instead of her, she he gets Johan instead. Which is um, interesting because the other thing that got revealed is that Johan was just like a random dock kid mm -hmm. that they like knocked out and threw into the harbor when they were kids. Mm -hmm. I think it's the same kid, right? Wasn't that the idea? Because he recognized him. He recognized, uh, Florian recognized Johan when he showed up. Yeah. Essentially it was Flora who took the lead there and they, I thought it was implied that they killed uh, nameless little baby Johan, and then pushed him into the into the sea, and that's what he came back, and that's what uh, Florian first recognized when they were. They thought that, or at least they thought they had killed yeah. him. Yeah, like, I remember the saying like they attacked him, and he was essentially stunned, or or maybe he was dead. I don't remember. But either way, it's, they essentially murdered him by dumping his body into the water, and then years later, here he is. Now he's a Howland kind. Like he actually is a Howland kind. I love the mythology too. Mm -hmm. that, the whole thing about Halandret being like this, like e even as a goddess, she's got these really dark aspects to her. You know, like the statue where that you see her, and it's like interesting that they show a sea goddess as if she's drowning. A lot of the descriptions are very, and, and it's to the benefit of the story, very dark and depressing and violent, which kind of shocks me that I laugh so much at this book. I don't know. I think Florian and Johan's relationship is endearing, but they're all, it's also kind of funny. Like when Florian is poisoning and he gives this big speech and everybody's like pass, basically passed out. And then Johan jumps up and his clap. He goes, bravo. bravo. <laughs> I laughed out loud. Like I did not expect to laugh this much at this book. Same. And is it just me? Maybe I've read too many horror books, but this didn't feel terribly gory to me. There, there are grotesque bits, but it's it's done well. Mm -hmm. Nothing in it was like played for like specifically like oh look at this we're gonna really focus on a visceral is it's almost done in like a casual way. Even when they're describing like Johan's memory of the corpse he saw caught on the rocks in the harbor, it's interesting. Yeah, there's visceral descriptions. But it's not meant for shock value. It's almost more clinical because you're getting it from the perspective of someone who is not perturbed by gore. Yeah. That's true. The way it's described, it's, it's mostly from his perspective, is very cold and just matter of fact. Yeah, I think that's what it is. As readers, we can recognize it, like just how visceral and kind of like brutal it is. But for Johan, it's just very, like David said, matter of fact. It just is what it is. The same mundane as getting your mail kind of thing thing for him florian also i mean he cl he claims to be just be only an accountant but clearly he's got more of a scientific feel to him mm. i really like how the magic in this is speaking of florian it's painful to be a spellcaster 
it leaves a lasting impression. It's not just, ha, I threw a spell and now I'm done. Like, he's got all these, like, scars and burns and things. It's so neat. I like hard magic like that when, when there are consequences. We have our two main characters, but about towards the last fourth of the novel, I would say, we uncovered that uh, one of the characters, Eleanor, is actually Kanya, who is a mage hunter, and she kind of becomes more of a main character. How do we feel about her? I mean, she sank my ship, so I don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> she got sunk in the process. It was like a kamikaze move. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I at least can take comfort in that. But I don't know if I can complain because I, I feel like I didn't pay enough attention I don't know, like, how well it was hinted at in the beginning that she would be, you know, important. Because she, she does kind of pop up here and there, like, when he went to the, when Johan went to the hospital and she was there. And you kind of realize, oh, she was, like, looking, probably looking for evidence of some sort um, as to, like, who the, the sorcerer could be or something. I feel like maybe because I wasn't paying the most attention, it was just kind of sudden and maybe just, like, a way to wrap up the story. I think I need to give the, the whole thing another readover to really comment on just, like, her and maybe overall, like, just, like, the whole ending of it. I don't know. I do love when, like, problematic couples don't work out. But also I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> I have a theory, too, because I, I felt the same way. I felt like she kind of popped out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Or a little too late. But then I was like, well, no, she's technically was there for most of the novella. But I think it's because when she's Eleanor, she's a completely different type of person. And actually even speaks a bit differently. You uncover that she's Kanya. She's much more confident and knows what she's doing. And also is a damn good fighter, too. It's like she has a different personality from Eleanor. So as a result, it feels like a different character. Like, clearly she's doing it so she can go undercover, but at the same time, it comes across as, oh, you've been a mage hunter the whole time and you're really actually a different person. I think they hinted at the mage hunter thing pretty well. They did, they did, but... Um, early on, it's I think it's, it's well set up that she's not what she appears to be. I think what's interesting is, um, I, did, I, mean, I picked up on this, the fact that she... she paints her face to look a lot more like whiter than she actually is yeah when in fact like when she's on the prowl as herself as she starts being more and more like kanya and less and less like eleanor she starts to kind of you know she lets her hair down she stops wearing the white makeup and i definitely get the impression that she's doing this to blend in more with her you know the nordens with the like contemporaries but she is from the south there was a little interesting detail about how we've got like the south the middle and the north are like these three distinct hemispheres in this world you know and, uh, you know, she even talks about, like, the mythology of her homeland and how there's not, people don't really die, there's just cycles, and you get reborn. And, like, I'm not sure how specifically this, if this world is just barely an offshoot of ours, or if this is, like, a world, this is just our world, but magic existed, so it changed a bunch of things. But I, I think it's a neat detail that they made her essentially, like, ethnically not of these people either. So there's almost that, there's, like, that quality to her... Uh, too that lends itself to like her coming this far north and doing all this to get to you know to be a mage hunter beyond that we don't spend a ton of time with her so i don't know how much that is but again as an antagonist i think she works because she's she's not a monster per se but we don't want her to do what she does because we care about these two other monsters who are actually monstrous you know what i mean like they're kind of justifying everything that she is as a mage hunter. Florian is going to 
commit genocide, basically, by creating this plague that's going to wipe out all these people. And yet we're rooting for Florian and Johan, so, like, I don't know. I, I just think it was interesting to have uh, Eleanor be there, or, and, or uh, Kanya, and eventually to become, like, to reveal herself as Kanya and who she is, and the, the real her coming out slowly throughout the story. We actually do have questions. Uh, should we move on to those, or do we have any other... Uh, I mean, this might come up in the questions, I'm not sure, but I want to know what everybody thought of the ending. Actually, that does come up. So, okay. So I'll start with the Bringer of Lighters questions. Thank you, Bringer. He asked, did anyone think the book was too short? I super enjoyed the world building, even with a book this small. Every detail mattered. Uh, I will say, I think that's my main complaint with this. The book is too short. I wanted more description. I think the pacing was doing well up until the end. And I think it, the end just kind of like sped up a bit too quickly. And I think it, there's more time. We could have got to know Kanye a little bit better. I don't know. I just wanted more of this world. It did feel a bit too short for yeah, me. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, th- I think what I would have liked is maybe a little more like cat and mouse between like Florian and, and Kanye. Okay, we know she's the mage hunter. And oh, we know that she knows about Florian. And maybe just kind of like devious scheming, you know, Florian thinking he has the upper hand and then Kanye being like, aha, but then Florian being like, aha, you know, (laughs) and then and just like Johan kind of being there like, hell yeah, that's my that's my sorcerer. Now let me kill her for you kind of thing. But the ending we got, like, I feel like there should have been more. Like, I definitely could have another two hours of just of more happening between like learning that Kanye is a mage hunter in the end. But I'm okay with what we got. Yeah. Could there have been more? Yes, please. I agree in the sense that I want more of this world and yeah, more of these characters, but I actually thought the book didn't overstay its welcome. And I, I honestly thought it was actually paced pretty well. So I kind of have to disagree a little bit. Do I want more? Yes, but only because I liked what I saw, but I almost don't want to get too greedy and have too much. Mm. This was like the right amount of time for me to stay in this setting and to see these characters and to get this like keyhole look into this universe before we leave it again. We got also another question from Urkelbot66, a.k.a. Dan. Thank you, Dan. Hi, Dan. He says, so I really like the story. The writing and the author's voice were great. I tend to really like things that are written very simple with short, concise sentences and that this story did that very well. The story, the setting, and the way it was written gave me big Clive Barker vibes, and that's a good thing. Oh. I can kind of see it, yeah. trying to see that. Okay. Uh, his first question is, how do we feel about Johan? Slimy, charming, a mixture of both. Slarming. Uh, he says that, I found him interesting and fun to read about. Ditto for the relationship with Florian, though I guess that's also somewhat quote-unquote problematic. <laughs> I think that's like you underlined the word problematic and that sums up their relationship. Yeah. But it's more than that. Like, yes, it is a problematic relationship. But they make it work. Like the problematicness is what makes it work for them because they are both problematic in a good way <laughs> for, for us as people who crave drama. In terms of slimy or charming, I mean, if I met Johan on the streets or like in person, I would be uncomfortable around him. But as a character, I really like him. So one of the things that I actually thought was interesting, and I want to bring this up, is that Kanye actually brings up, she's like, I think you're the only one who has never oh, has not lied. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, Johan does not lie. Uh-huh. He's brutally honest because he's brutal and honest. Which is kind of an interesting quirk about he's, him. He's surprisingly, like, 
straightforward and honest for for such a brutal character. Yeah, both slimy and charming in that he's got these these awful qualities of like his morality is quite questionable, but then he's also just I don't know, there's something like almost simple and just like easy to understand about him. He's clearly like in street urchin, but I think compared to Florian, Florian comes across as educated and it's like streetwise versus mm-hmm. academic. Yes. And I think it's that is more readily apparent when he's next to Florian. So it, he does come across as more simplistic. It's a study in contrast, really. But I mean, it's what it's their monstrous natures that kind of get them both together. And then uh, he also asked about the novella length. He said, "Did the novella length of this work for you? Did it? Did you think it would have worked better expanded upon or cut down?" I'll, I'll stand by. I think it worked fine at the length it was. I, I'm on both. I'm on both sides. Like, okay, yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine as it is. But I I would not be opposed to more. I feel like I I could have taken could have enjoyed more. I I think there could have been this could have been expanded upon a little bit more, but. It's, it doesn't hinder, like, the length of it does not hinder it. It's still a good story. It's still enjoyable. I think it's more the fact that I just wanted more out of this world. But cut down, absolutely not. Like, please do not cut this down. And then his uh, third question was, who is the real monster of Ellen Haven? Ellen Haven itself. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll agree with that. <laughs> I, one of the great things, actually... I feel like Ellen Haven in itself is a character. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is such a good setting. Mm, man, the world building. Mm, it's so good. And then we have a uh, question from Feng Sui. Thank you, Feng Sui. Does John Doe retain any memories of being Johan? The very ending to me felt a little rushed slash vague, especially in regards to the aftermath of the climax. Yeah, I kind of want to talk about the ending. That's kind of, yeah, I was getting around on that. Because I wanted to know what you, how you interpreted it. Because I was trying to interpret if Florian got rid of Johan's memories or what happened there. I get the impression, though, that Johan, as John, was not, hadn't forgotten what he was supposed to do. He was just, now he's, now he's got a purpose. He's going around, he's yeah. spreading the plague, he's killing st- people strategically to... To basically carry out Florian's will. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely, like, he's he's departed from Ellen Haven because he, you know, has this, this purpose that Florian has left him with. But without Florian, he isn't Johan anymore. Right. So Johan died. We know he's dead. He's dead. Because, you know, he was on this autopsy table and there was a coroner that he killed who named him John. Uh, I feel like maybe because I'm playing, I'm on leaning on the romantic side of like without Florian, Johan's dead. So now I must, you know, now I'm nameless. So here's a new name. Cool. Now I'm John. Yeah, metaphorically, that makes sense because he has died. He dies yeah. several times throughout yeah. the novel. Quote yeah. unquote died. He 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 dies, but he regenerates. Whereas I think now, you know, it's not like a physical death, but like a, <laughs> I don't know, just. <laughs> He's reborn. Yeah, reborn. I like to think of the idea as that, so Johan always felt like this emotional connection to Florian because basically of how he was created and his his life is to serve That's Florian. That's true. And I think, yes, now that Florian's dead, he does have a goal and it is to serve out his loved ones 
basically his last request or his last desire. And kill everyone in the world. Yep. With this plague. Uh, but I, I think it's um, more as an emotional feeling, sort of like the emotional connection he felt to Florian without realizing what it exactly was. He just knew he had to be with him somehow. Like he, like when he threatens him in the alleyway, he just comes up on the spot. Uh, I want you to hire me. He didn't think to like ask him that. That just happened out of the blue because he knew he needed a reason to stay to be around him. And. I think maybe if he doesn't have his memories of Johan or Florian, at least he knows that somewhere in his being, like, this is what he's supposed to do. Whoever he's doing he... it because it feels right, whether he remembers or not. I feel like I, I didn't get any reason to think that he doesn't remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like it's left the memories yeah. away or anything, personally. I felt like, if anything, uh, that thing that Florian did, it didn't describe it as, like, removing his memories. I felt like he was almost, like, sliding the pieces together for Johan. That was almost the description. That was the way I read it. Like, it became, there was more clarity suddenly. So, you know how uh, Kanye talks about, like, oh, in the South, it's we're reborn? That's how I thought of it, is that Johan's being reborn as John. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, that was the idea. But then again, he may, I mean, they don't say he doesn't remember. He just doesn't allude to Florian when yeah. he's John. Yeah. That's true. Because this is a new life. This is a new beginning. He's still carrying on what he needs to do, but he is now John. This is a new person with the same goals. It's an interesting ending. I think it's an unexpected one, yeah. but it works for the story. Mm -hmm. Like, that, I, if you would have told me this is how it was going to end up, like, I wouldn't have, like, guessed that on a bet. Like, oh, I yeah, he's going to go by a different name now, and... He may or may have been reborn or forgot his memories. We don't know, but he's going to continue uh, to set out and bring this plague because his loved one wanted it. I mean, I, I had a feeling like Florian was going to die. Like there's, yeah. and I'm back remember, I'm like, yeah, Florian's going to die. I don't know if Johan was going to die or not. I figured not because he couldn't, but. You know what? It just hit me. A good way to describe the way the magic and the tone and the thing feels in this is eldritch. Just a little bit. Like, not like elder beings or Lovecraft or anything, but there is an eldritch quality to this. Explain yourself. I mean, think about it. The the way, like, the, the sort of, like, uh, the grim, dark aspects of the setting, the... Um... So maybe, like, the abysmal, like, mood... Of it. Right, and the, the inherent darkness and, and uh, man things was man was not meant to know when uh -huh. it comes to magic. Towards like what's lurking in the ocean or what comes from the ocean. Yeah, well, especially that, the ocean. Because the ocean plays such a huge part and they make, they, the ocean really feels big and ominous and dark. I mean, the, the ocean is literally black in Ellenhaven. And the things that are pulled up from the ocean are like, I believe described as like their insides are leaking out of their eyes. Like, Things that there have been warped and twisted by magic, and they're they're disturbing and disgusting. And yeah, there's an eldritch quality to the whole thing, with the the unknowableness and randomness and freakishness of magic. And I didn't hit on it until we were just talking about. It. I'm like, yeah, there's almost that that quality to it, and I think that gives that lends some staying power to the the tone and the way people treat each other in this in this setting. Again, bleak grimy dark 
ominous and a little bit like, you know, man's inhumanity to man kind of thing. It's good. You know what? I can absolutely mm-hmm. see that. I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. It, it might be a little bit of a stretch, but I, I feel like I get what you're saying. At least with the mythology of the setting. You know what I mean? In terms of like aesthetic? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying aesthetically. If not, I'm not saying we're, we're hinging on, you know, anything that like Lovecraft or uh, even like, let's, let's be fair, Victor Laval would like talk about in their stuff. It's not leaning on elder beings and stuff, but there's a certain quality to it that makes me, that, that has that, at least that aesthetic in the background. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Anyway, I just really liked this novella. <laughs> That's all the questions we have. Do we have any final thoughts? I, I, I'm going to go back and play this song again. <laughs> Honestly, if you wanted to bring in some of this vibe, like, into our Salt Marsh game, like, I wouldn't be opposed. <laughs> oh, oh, well, uh, yeah, uh, I guess I guess it should be fair to say that we, we've been playing Ghosts of Salt Marsh in the black background, and, uh, yeah, there's... There's definitely going to be some stuff now that I've read this that's going to work its way into the setting. Hells yeah. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, But like, oh, my last thoughts is I'm for sure going to probably pick up a buy my own physical copy and like read that. So I, I, I enjoyed this. Like I joke a lot about like how much I like like problematic gay ships and just just give me give like the jar the cookie jar but it says problematic and i'm just spoon <laughs> feeding myself out of it honestly uh and this was like exactly my cup of tea excellent i know that um jennifer giesbrecht is working on an actual she calls it a door stopper oh god i'm curious to see how this goes but i would love for her to explore this world again i hope she does this is phenomenal and this is her first uh like book right yes before this uh she worked on homestuck oh yeah i heard that she was like helping develop hive swap right yep i know (laughs) that's kind of a surprise right yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i saw in her bio like oh wait she works at what pumpkin that's that's kind of (laughs) nuts yeah this is her first novella or published novella i i'm down to read any other works that come out by her so damn she came out swinging this is awesome yeah we'll definitely have to keep an eye on her so we have finished the book on that chapter and now we're going to head back to the east and returning to a author that we're all familiar with and we love we will be reading for our august episode romina by junji ito yes that's right we're gonna yeah we read uh uzumaki early on on in this podcast quite a while ago yeah yeah it was really early on um, it'll be nice to read more of his work and see more of that gorgeous body horror that he is so well known for. <laughs> he also gets kind of eldritch with his stuff too. So I mean, just based off of the cover that I saw earlier, it looks like it, it might go in that direction. From what I've gathered, this is probably his most Lovecraftian work. Oh, okay. So, mm. Take that into consideration. If you like what you hear, uh, check out our other podcasts on the Creative Horror Network at creativehorror.com or check out our YouTube page at Creative Horror. Just uh, search Creative Horror and we're the first ones you'll see. You can listen to our other awesome podcasts like uh, Undercooked Analysis and uh, Midnight Marinara and uh, also our new podcast, uh, The Jameson Tapes, which our lovely Sade edits. I produce and edit and I have to listen to them drunkenly rant and 
provide notes for them, but it's a, it's a good old time. If you love uh, if you love horror movies and just drunk rambling, it's a good podcast. Check it out. All right, time to walk through all this grime and crap in the streets and gotta roll this body down to the docks and get rid of it. That's okay. I was gonna originally gonna blow the candles out, but I'll just throw them into the harbor and hope we'll get new candles. <laughs> just roll them up with the body. They're made from dead man's fat anyway. Good evening, intrepid listeners. This is the Pasta Shade, the host of Midnight Marinera, and this podcast is part of CreativeHorror.com, a network of podcasts and creators working together to build a constructive community of horror fans. For more content like this, visit us at CreativeHorror.com. <laughs>